Finish. Well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I had to push a button, right? <laughs> God damn it. Oh, well. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's the intro. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. So this is Tyler Toby Townsend. This is David Anaya. All right. So um, usually the way we start this shit is uh, we do a gym update. Uh, I already kind of did one. I'm doing two today. I talked to you a little bit about it. Um, the first one was for... Uh, this guy going on strike for Peace Health, right? Uh, Jerry, and uh, it was pretty cool. So I'll do a, another gym update just to keep things normal. Um, gym's going great. Not back up to my six, seven hundred pound numbers yet. Um, you, you can't just jump, right? You got to prepare yourself and, and get yourself ready and shit. But uh, what do you do to keep yourself healthy? Um. Well, I'm truth be told. Not a whole lot now. Not a whole lot. Okay. <laughs> Not a whole lot. Full integrity, full honesty. Um, yeah. I have recently started doing push-ups in the morning again, though. Okay. Um, so I had to take a break from my my gym uh, experience for a while. I hurt my back like a year ago. Yeah. Um, I was an assistant coach for a life coaching company that I'm a part of, okay. and I was ha- helping set it set up this. We call them evolutions, um, but it involved like building a cart, so we call it coach cart. Um, but I was setting it up, taking it down. There was four truck tires that needed to be loaded into the back of this pickup truck. And so, like, I was bouncing them and then lifting them onto the, the truck right. bed. Got to the last one and didn't get a high enough bounce on it. And so, like, I just, like, torqued it <laughs> and pinched my nerve in, my, like, my lower back. Uh, out of commission for almost a year. So, Damn. yeah, went to the chiropractor a few times and been just, like, trying to nurse it back to health. But, yeah. I mean, I've just been trying to ease back into it. Like what you said, you know, you can't just jump back in. So yeah. Well, e- so easing back in. with that kind of stuff, uh, I get a lot of people who are always like, oh, my back hurts, so I don't want to deadlift. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But, like, I've really noticed that, like, my back starts hurting when I start getting weak again. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, when I start building that muscle back around my back and getting strong, it'd be to the point where you could pick up two of those tires you're not going to hurt yourself picking up those tires. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, strengthening your back, for me at least, is, is a huge deal. And uh, if you hurt your back, of course, don't do anything that, like, your doctor's telling you. Well, fuck the doctors. They're always going to tell you. <laughs> They're always telling me not to do shit. And I'm just like, I want help staying healthy. They're like, well, healthy's not picking up this amount of weight. Yeah. I'm like, maybe for you, you little bitch. But, like, <laughs> I'm going to do what I want to do. You yeah. know? And that's one thing that I've noticed, too, though, is that, like, you don't realize how fragile your body is until yeah. you hurt your back. Because, oh, like, yeah. there was a minute there, dude, where I was walking like a straight old man. I was, like, I was oh, hunched shit. over, just, like, breathing heavily every time I took a step. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. I've done that. I had to get one of those, like, lumbar alignment bars for my car, too. <laughs> like, I'm, like, gripping the top of my vehicle to sit in. It was, yeah, it was rough. Yeah. Yeah, really so an actual injury is an injury, right, yeah. of course, and, and baby it all you need to to get back in there, but, like, if you can get back in there, get back in there, man, and yeah. get that back shit going. I'm, like, I'm finally at the point where I, I can stand up straight, and I don't feel TV static in the lower part of my body, nice. so I'm, like, now I'm ready to get back into it. So. Well, you want to start strengthening your back, and you don't want to go to a gym yet, try some Nordic fucking uh, glute raises. Yes, yeah, we those were talking are, about that. Those are beastly, man. Yeah. I fucking love that Intense. shit. Intense. They're hard. Yeah, they're really fucking hard. Nordic's the easiest way to start because you can usually do it somewhere on the floor. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I get to some GHRs and shit. I, I love those. But I still, I'm, I'm fucked. Like, I haven't been able to do them in a while either. So, 
But uh, that's how I make everybody cry yeah. when I start coaching them, too. That's like, how you break them? Yeah. I've coached a few girls, too, and they're like, this is too hard. I'm like, I'm going to help you. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, good. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's not hard. I'm not going to say you're doing it wrong. I'm going to say this is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. But you can do three sets of ten of that. Your deadlift, your squat, everything will go up 100 pounds. Good. I guarantee it. You know, and uh, it's because it's so fucking hard. It's like trying to learn how to do a pull-up. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people cannot do fucking pull-ups. You know how many people can do a pull-up? I think it's like 3% of the United States can do a fucking pull-up. That is ridiculous. Like, you know, like, okay, so I'm going to tell you, the way my fitness journey started, I'm probably up almost 300 pounds. Okay. And have you ever done the ape caves? No. You should do them. They're fucking... It's a lot of fun. I don't even know what that is. It's spelunking. It's a basically a gigantic oh, okay. volcanic... Vol, volcanic... Vol, volcanic? There we go. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> tunnel, okay. right? You can either start at the top and climb your way down, oh, or you can start from almost the bottom, which is what the way I do. I recommend it that way. And then you can go down a little bit, but it ends, and then go all the way up. It's not crazy steep, but you are climbing over, like, rocks and, sh- and shit the whole time. It's a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Where is this? Oh, shit. Kind of by St. Helens. Really? It's Washington, right? No, St. Helens is Oregon. Rainier, then. Okay. The, the Washington one. So, um, it's kind of over there by Rainier, and uh, probably about an hour away. Look up Ape Caves, dude. It is one of the most fun yeah. fucking hike things I've ever done. Um so with that, there is probably like a seven, eight foot wall. I want to say three quarters of the way up. So you're there. If you don't get up this wall, you're going back, right? I'm 300 pounds, no fucking muscle. I'm with, uh, at the time, I was with the youth, the young men from the church I was going to, right? I was one okay. of the leaders. And um, we're... We get to this thing, and everybody, I'm helping boost everybody up. I'm really just helping this keep going. Then it's my turn. And, like, I jump up. I cannot get over this seven, eight-foot wall. I can't. I just can't do it. And, like, like I I jump, and I have grip. I can't pull myself up. I'm 300 fucking pounds, right? I have, now I have the other leader jump down. is shoving my ass. We still can't do it. So I end up having to put my backpack back on, have him down there shoving my ass and having these boys reach over grabbing this backpack and yanking me up this wall. It took about 15 minutes to get me up this wall. Everybody else was just up. Yeah. I was furious. Thinking about just like, if this was a life or death situation, I'd be dead. I would be dead. That is how this works. Right. If I had to get up there by myself, it would not have happened. So I was pissed. Right? And then plus, I was like, if I hit 300 pounds, I'm going to kill myself. I was pissed. Because I had no muscle, no nothing. So I started that weight loss journey. I lost like 50 pounds. I, I've told this story many times on the podcast. But I, I lost 50 pounds and I looked like shit. Because everything was all hangy. You know what I mean? Because right. I was big. Three, you got to think about 300 pounds with no muscle is a big fucking dude. Fat dude. All my shirts were double XL and stretched to the fucking max, you know. Um, but now I wear like a double XL, and it's really just shoulders that are that are in the fucking way. Um, but yeah, so I was pissed, and then uh, I got really mad because I started looking. I felt worse 
losing weight than I did fat right. because everything was like fucking hanging. And uh, a buddy of mine was like, oh, you are pretty strong. Why don't you just fill it with muscle? And I'm like, sure. Like, let's fucking do that, right? Like, that sounds great. (laughs) And so I started that journey, and he's like, well, it'll take you about 10 years to get about where you want to be. Okay. And then you can start looking how you want to once you get about that much experience. And uh, we're 10 years in now. So, no, nothing hangs, nothing, but I'm still kind of chubby. I'm a strong man, so I don't give a fuck, right? I eat all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's taken the years to change my body. So every seven years, you have a brand new body. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. So it took that long to lose this weight the right way and gain enough muscle to make it look right. So it's it's been fucking rough, dude. It's been a rough-ass journey, but... Yeah. It scared me, and then uh, I started doing pull-ups, and everyone's like, well, how'd you learn how to do pull-ups? Did you use the band? Did you do blah, blah, blah? I did it the old-fashioned angry way. I hung and pulled. Every day. Yeah, I just did it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I hung every day, and I wasn't moving yeah. for the first couple weeks. Then I'm moving an inch. Then I'm moving two inches. Then I'm... It got to the point where pull-ups became such a big part of my, my workout routine I do three sets of 10 overhand, three sets of 10 underhand, and three sets of 10 neutral grip. Mm. Well, when I started coaching, I'm just like, you're going to do your three by three by 10, right, for your pull-ups. And they're like, 90? And I'm like, damn, that's a lot of fucking pull-ups, bro. <laughs> like, every week I'm doing fucking 90 pull-ups. <laughs> like, I didn't think about it. I'm thinking yeah. three sets of 10. Right. Three sets of 10 by three, right? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So what I would do is I'd do a set of 10 overhand, set of 10 underhand, and set of 10 neutral, and I'd uh, rest. Set of t- and boom, boom, boom. I, that's just what, that's a part of my shoulder day. Right? I think that's really awesome, though, because I'm doing like a, like that similar mindset is, is kind of how we in like coaching and like what I'm doing right now with my real estate agents is that I'm doing goal, goal planning and target setting. Yeah. And so we split the year into four quarters. Right. And the goal planning is for each quarter. So it's like, what are you trying to create this quarter? And so that mindset of like taking the bigger goal of like, I want to do 90, 90 pull-ups, but then kind of breaking it down into, okay, I'm going to do three sets of 10 this way, three sets of 10 that way, three sets of 10 that way. Right. You're not even thinking about how many you're doing total. Right. It's just, I'm going to knock out this portion. And then once I've done that, then I'm going to do this one. Then I'm going to do this one. I think that's really awesome. Right. Because then, like what you said, you know, it's just like that sudden realization of, oh, shit, like I've just done 90, I'm doing 90 pull-ups a week. Like, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And it got to the point where I, I would do all three sets right in a row. So at, at the beginning, like I said, it, it's an inch at a time. Mm-hmm. And people were like, how the fuck did you get to a pull-up? An inch at a time. Yeah. Every day. And that's the thing. Like, you have to understand, I did this for so long that, like, I'd get an inch on the first one. And then a half an inch on the second one, quarter inch on the third one. Right. Right? So it wasn't like I'm to an inch now, so every all, all ten of these are an inch. Like, it got to the point where the first one's four inches, the second one's three inches. Right? Like, exactly. And I had to work my way until, like, I'm 300 pounds still, but muscle. Right. And I can do three sets of ten, three sets of three sets of ten for fucking full dead hang pull-ups. If you're using your legs, you're fucking doing them wrong, right? And mm-hmm. so it's nuts 
to be able to see this big ass fucking dude just get up there and just start yanking pull ups out. It's funny as hell when I see people <laughs> watching me. I also do. Um, I scare the fuck out of people with the ab wheel. Oh shit! Okay. Do you know how to do an ab wheel? Uh, is that the one where it's like a roller on the yeah. ground and you like you have like two little handles and there's yeah. a, there's a wheel in the middle, right? Yeah. Do you know you're supposed to do that on your toes? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, yeah. So how most people do get it? down on their knees, right, and they're doing this, right? Okay. But what you're supposed to do is from standing, you reach down, you put the wheel. And you go all the way oh, down shit. and all the way up. Oh, okay. I was thinking of like from a, a plank position, like on your toes. That's like, how most people like that try to that. do it. No, no. So it's a, it's a it's an extension, oh, right? So it's a full extension. Yeah. Okay, okay. So even on your knees, it's hard. Well, I bang that shit out on my toes. Damn. I'm a big dude, so it looks fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. So like my 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 core is so fucking strong. Like I I have a belly. Right? But I can feel all my abs pushing down into it. Yeah. My core is stupid strong. Plus, you've got to have a stupid strong core to be squatting 727 pounds. Right. Deadlifting 755. Right? Like, you have to, or it's not going to go up. Yeah. So, it's pretty intense. Yeah. And that's inch by inch. It's like a, it's, it's really just a different, a different, like, family of, of lifting. Right, it's like a different branch. Because like marathon runners, you know that like all marathon runners are built the exact same. They have like this huge, like not muscly, but just like inflated chest because their lungs are so big. Or like bodybuilders or like competitive strongmen. Like they're all built a very specific way to support the way that they work out. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's just intense that people think that like, because I have a belly, I'm I'm fat. And it's like, dude, this is this like... Usually when I tell people, too, that I'm 300 pounds, they're like, no fucking way. I'm like, yeah, because you're used to normal people at 300 pounds. Like, mm-hmm. this is packed, tight fucking muscle. Yeah. And it's different, too, because uh, I was 5'10 in high school. I'm 5'8 now. Just from the <laughs> amount of fucking weight I put on my joints, my bones, yeah. my bone density is fucking stupid. Gravity's pulling you close. <laughs> well, it's not just gravity. It's this weight, right? So, right. like, you know bones are porous. Yeah. I have crushed my bones down to almost... Solidity, jeez, like you just, just got straight concrete. That's that's what I'm working with. But you you have to, yeah, squat and like there's no way your spine would be able to handle it. One of the top uh, powerlifters in the world does this thing where he'll pull a thousand pounds off the rack for squats, and he just bounces it, just crushing his fucking spine and his bones and all that other shit. And what he's doing is it's bone density work. Interesting. Yeah, because you put a thousand pounds on your back, put a normal human, they may be able to stand it up, but it will it'll break them. Yeah. Your CNS, the same thing, like your nervous system, you have to prep for that kind of shit. So I used to think when I was younger, just start yanking three, four hundred pounds. I don't give a fuck, right? That's my warm up weight now, but right. I'm at seven hundred for my normal reps, right? right? So like even there I started about three hundred and I still I go up a hundred pounds. All the way up. So it takes me for fucking ever to get to my normal lifting room. But if you don't prep your CNS, like, your nerves will get shot. You'll blow a fucking nerve, and now you're in pain for a whole other reason. You didn't pull a muscle. You didn't do shit. You, you shot a nerve. Mm. And that's worse. I mean, you busted a nerve in your back, right? Like, yeah. that it ain't was, no fucking game. It was not a fun time at all. Oh, yeah. And that, it, your nerves control... What's around it? Right. You bust a nerve, every muscle in there is contracted continuously the whole time. 
you can't uncontract them. You exactly. got to do nerve work. And it was like the way that the way that my chiropractor explained it too is just like the nerve. It was it's kind of a gross metaphor uh, or analogy, but he he explained the nerve being like a like a jelly donut. Ooh, and <laughs> right, and then so he had this whole he had this whole like diagram with uh, with vertebrae from from a spine, and he was like, "This is what what you just did," and he like contracted the spine and it like pinched the nerve like right at the end, and so it became like he was like basically what happened is it pinched between the two vertebrae, and then it became inflamed, and so he just kept like opening and closing it. He's like, "You see how now it looks like a jelly donut," <laughs> and I was like. Yeah, but this is really gross to look at. Like, it's kind of just nasty. But so that's basically like that's what happened. And so every time I was moving my spine, since the the nerve was so inflamed, it was actually like sticking out. Yeah. So it was no longer like in between the, the, the vertebrae. It was actually sticking out. So every time I stood up straight, it was pinching. Every time I bent over, it was pinching a different side of it. And so like it was constantly... So there was like one angle you could stay at, right? Exactly. Yeah. It was it was the the old man. Yeah. Like the crooked at 90, 90 degrees. Yeah. And so I was walking like that for a minute. Like the, even people in my office they were laughing at me because my the running joke is that like I'm I'm too old to be feeling or too young to be feeling this old. Yeah. You know. So like I I got uh, hereditarily bad knees and ankles. Yeah. Shout out my family for that one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then this back injury comes along. So like, I, I stand up, my knees pop, and I'm like, uh, and like everyone's just laughing at me. So, <laughs> what workout do you do for your knees? For my knees, uh, I used to do wall sits actually. I used okay. to just like just sit there for as long as possible. But um, it was like making them feel stiff. Okay, so that's a trick question, and the reason I say that is because. Uh, there is almost nothing you can do to strengthen your your fucking knees. Well, yeah. Right? Like, everybody's always like, well, my knees always hurt. I've had that issue for fucking years. You don't squat that much and have your knees not start to hurt, right? That's right. not what happens. So I started wrapping them when I'm squatting, which adds a little more pounds to your squat as well. People, Some people see it as cheating, but it's still over 700 fucking pounds. I can do that raw, too. So, like, you can fuck right off. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, so... A buddy of mine introduced sissy squats to me. And okay. I know it sounds stupid. I wish they would have named it something else, right? But what it is, you, you need to look it up. Okay. You stand up straight, hips forward, and then you bend down and touch your knees to the ground. I've been recommending the fuck out of these. I've been doing them for about eight months now. I have no knee pain whatsoever because I'm building the strength in my knees. Interesting. It's the only thing I've ever found that actually works out your fucking knees. So it's like back to the wall and then... Nope. What, Standing. You... Okay. I'll show you a little bit, right? So first of all, I would do this in socks or bare feet because okay. you got toes, bro. But you go about here. I'm still big enough. I use, about, I use a rack, right? But you go about here and you're doing this. And you're touching your oh, knees. Oh, shit. Ground, okay. But hips forward. That's the biggest deal. And then you're up. Oh, right? shit. Okay. It's nuts. It has just strengthened the fuck out of my knees. And it works out your knees. Everything's going up. Interesting. Yeah. So, I've been pissed because ask any old school lifter anything. What are you going to do about your knees? There's nothing you can do. It's a joint. Right. Right? But there is. They figured it out. So I wonder how that Sissy works. Sissy squats. I don't fucking know. What's, yeah, what's <laughs> the science behind it? I don't know. It's just <laughs> the way you have to pick yourself up. Now, 
I, that's why I'm saying look it up okay. and do them correctly because that was not right. 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 I'm in this. I have to warm up. My toes. Are, I, I think I broke one of these toes too. anyways. But <laughs> so when you're done with them, your toes will fucking hurt because you're literally just like gripped into the fucking ground with okay. just your toes. Yeah. And then your knees will kind of hurt. But you'll start seeing once you get better at them and doing them more and more correctly. You know how you do a workout, and at first, you're probably not doing them 100% right. So it kind of hurts a little and, and a little weird. Mm. But the more you do it and feel where it's working, the easier it is to hit correctly. Yeah. Once you get to that point, like I can actually make my knees sore. Not like hurt, like but they've like been worked. Sore. Yeah. Interesting. So it's working the tenants and all the muscles that actually wrap your knees. Because what else can you do that does that? Oh, actually, yeah. No, that does make sense, though. It's hard, man, because, I mean, extensions, curls, like all this other shit you can do with your knees, squats. Yeah. Like, they, everything works on the hinging of your knees, but does not work on the hinge of your knees. It's nuts. You're using all the bus muscles around when this is the only one that actually makes it so you have to use your knee strength only to pull you up. Mm. It's crazy. Try it. Yeah. Your knees will feel fucking way better in like three months. I'll try it and report back. Yeah. Do that. Do it. They're hard. But you should get to the point where you should be able to do them standing. No, no braces, no nothing. So I haven't been able to get there yet. I'm a big fucking dude, right? So, but I've also seen some dude do them standing on a couch. Yeah. So he does them negatives. So he's touching his knees to the actual ground beneath the couch and pulling the himself couch? back up. Yeah, standing on the couch. It's nuts. That's wild. Start looking up sissy squats and you'll see people doing them all over the place. How is he not like busting his kneecap? He's also extremely flexible. Extremely flexible. So. But like even going down from like the top of the couch to like... Or like the, the cushion to the ground. Like, how is he not just busting his kneecaps every time? I mean, the the amount of control he's got. He just because if, it, if we were to get himself. to a certain decline or, um, yeah, a certain decline for me, I would probably just fall and just fucking smash my knees into the ground. Yeah. But, like, this guy's been doing them long enough to where it's not happening for him. That's one of the reasons I, I love the internet. Because you can find out shit like this. And, like, if I didn't have the guy come up and tell me who did, I'd have been like, fuck you and your, your fucking gay squats. Right? Like, your sissy squats, right? Like, <laughs> Right? So, like, why would you name it that? Can you not name it knee squat or yeah. something? Like, you got to call it a sissy squat. You're making me really not want to do these, bro. I'm not a sissy. Uh, but, you know. You, I guess there's, there's irony in that, though. Right. Because they're, they're so difficult to do. They're extremely difficult to do correctly. Yeah. And I do got to say, record yourself doing it from the side because your hips are not forward enough. Yeah. I don't care if you watch all these videos, your hips are not forward enough. It should be straight yeah. from your belly to your knees, no bend in hips. Right. Because when I first started doing them, I'm like, why aren't these fucking working? Like, they, they don't seem hard. But if you push your ass back, yeah, it's like squatting down to bend like to pick something up off the ground. But if you do them correctly, you're like fuck. Like yeah. your core is involved. Everything, man, it's nuts. Interesting. Yeah, try it out. Yeah, yeah, it'll turn you on. Interesting. Yeah, because uh, I've just recently started to feel knee pain. I played basketball on Wednesday, and yeah. I got out of the gym afterwards, and I was just like, man, why does my fucking knee hurt? Like, yeah. 
Again, I'm too young to be feeling this old, man. Yeah. But I'm like walking, and it's like all stiff and shit. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just talking to um, Jerry too. Uh, man, I, I'm strong enough to where I have so much fucking muscle on my body. Stretching, like you know, when you kind of stretch flex, right? Like I got to be careful because I'll hurt me because my muscles can contract so hard. Like. Mm. I sneeze and I'll throw my back out. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say you told me that. One. Yeah, dude, like just <laughs> I'm like, oh fuck, just because there's so much muscle back there, just contracting on my spine really quickly. Like, yeah. or if I get startled, yeah, dude, it hurts. Ooh. Yeah, I don't like scary movies. I really don't. And I don't know <laughs> they're, why. They're a whole different level of pain for you. Well, every time we go to the fucking um, what are they, the haunted houses? Put my big ass out front. This is bullshit. <laughs> I get it. I'm supposed to protect you guys, but I'm a jumpy fuck. And you're putting me up there. I'm hurting myself, and you don't even get it. Oh, my gosh. Dude, you remember in, like, those uh, those carnivals and stuff, they would have, like, the House of Mirrors? Yeah. So I hated those as a kid. Yeah. Because I could never differentiate which was the actual, like, hall and which was the mirror. Yeah. Still can't to this day, but I just choose not to go in the mirror. Yeah. But, Anyways, as a kid, I had this big-ass head. Like, my head was, like, disproportionately large to the size of my body. And nice. so I would just walk through these things and, like, bounce my head off of one of these mirrors and, like, fall backwards, get up, and I'd do the exact same thing in a different... It was, yeah. Just had my, my family out there just watching me. Just, doom, doom, just doom, laughing. Like, human pinball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I follow a page on Instagram called Kids Getting Hurt. <laughs> And yeah. you know it's it's the funny kind of hurt, not like actually broken limbs or something like, but them falling like, on their face and exactly. shit. And you're like, ha, good, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that kid deserved it. You can tell. Oh I see his gosh. parents. No, that that shit is hilarious though. Yeah. There's there's just something about seeing people get not injured like what you're saying, but just getting like just falling over, yeah. like people falling over on the internet. Yeah, One of the funniest it. things. I Although I have that. seen a couple of them though, where I'm just like. Like, yeah. I saw this one where uh, this guy was riding a moped and lost control of it and drove it straight into a chain link fence. Like, nothing broke, right? Nobody yeah. died. But all you can hear on the, the camera is just, <laughs> like, the guy just winded the shit out of himself. But, it, dude, it looks so tough, though. Like, this guy yeah. came colliding into this fence at, like, full speed on this moped. Yeah. Which, when you think about it, like, when you say it out loud, like, it sounds kind of funny, as is. Yeah. But just watching him just collide with this fence, and then the moped goes flying out of, like, somewhere, and then he's just standing there. Just... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've fallen and hurt myself enough. I'm allowed to laugh. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So, let's get into it. Okay. You work for Vision Mortgage. I do. Yes. You are a mortgage... Broker? Uh, loan officer. So, I mean, we're we're not necessarily a broker. We're kind of more like a hybrid model. So, Explain the difference so people yeah, can so, understand. So brokering is, like, the, the short and sweet definition is basically brokering is you take the application and you basically just connect someone with a company that's able to do the loan, right? So you have all of these different reps with different companies that have different rate sheets, different programs, stuff like that. What we do is a hybrid, so we have our own loan programs we, that we do in-house, but then we also have certain loan programs like bank statement loans or uh, certain DSCRs or even ITIN loans for uh, like people with ITIN numbers, right? Um, but that we do through different companies. So we don't necessarily broker them straight out. We kind of still work with the borrower. We still work with the rep from the broker. Um, 
but that's kind of that's kind of the main difference between what we do versus like a straight up broker shop yeah. is that they just kind of they have different lenders that have different programs and stuff and they just like they connect people right um so we just we kind of have like a hybrid of the both okay uh how about going to your bank like what's the biggest difference between you guys and just going walking into a bank um yeah i mean good question um the level of service first of all yeah <laughs> i mean you call a bank you get put on put on hold it's essentially, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just at that stage, what you're looking for is you're looking for somebody who's actually like, I don't know, somebody that, that actually knows what they're talking about. A lot of time with banks, they're they're not individually licensed. Actually, every time with banks, they're not individually licensed. They're, they're uh, like the institution itself is licensed. So to be a loan officer, you actually have to, like you have to do your 20 hours of federal uh, pre-licensing four hours of state specific, you have to take the test, and then from there you're individually licensed in that state to like talk rates, to sell mortgages, do all of that sort of stuff. Working at a bank, the institution itself is actually the one that's licensed, and then you just work underneath that. So basically, a bank, you could potentially be running into somebody who has no fucking idea what they're talking about. I mean, yeah, just they're, running off they're just, yeah, they're just reading it from a sheet. Yeah. And so that's why a lot of times with banks, like, people will come to me and they'll say, you know, well, they have better rates or they have whatever, da-da-da. I'm like, okay, well, let me see the loan estimate that they sent you. I've seen loan estimates from banks that don't have property taxes calculated correctly for that state because it's, like, an out-of-state bank. Um, Or, like, they don't have enough enough hazard insurance or, like, homeowner's insurance uh, gathered in the prepaids. Points are off. Maybe cash to close isn't calculated correctly. Like... There's just there's a lot of room for error when you have people doing a mortgage for you that they don't necessarily know what to look for. And so that's like the first thing that I always look at when people tell me, oh, well, this bank has better rates than you. It's like, okay, well, how much better and what exactly are you paying for here? Like, right. let's take a look at it and go line by line. Even if at the end of the day you do decide to stay with the bank for whatever reason, but if you do decide to stay, it's always a better idea to have somebody who's actually like a licensed professional take a look at it because we have a, a we have a fiduciary responsibility or yep. obligation, right, to operate in the client's best interest. Yeah. So I'm never going to go to a client and be like, I want you to work with me just because I want you to work with me, right? If I can't provide something that's the same or somewhat better in one way or another, I'm not going to try to steal your business, right? right? I'm just going to say, you know what? I, and I have done that before. I have taken a look at something where I just I can't touch, just because mm-hmm. you know market conditions or whatever it is. Uh, it's just what they have there is a much better deal. But still, at the end of the day, it's so important to have somebody take a look at something who, like, this is actually, like, their job and they know what to look for, to take a look at it and just be like, okay, here's here's what's right, here's what's wrong, here's what this line, this line, this line mean. And just make sure that the client actually understands what it is that they're getting themselves locked into before they go down that path. So. All right. Yeah. I mean... Man, all right. So I give I give a different explanation altogether, man. When people ask me the difference, I'm like, yeah, you can go to like your bank or a credit union, and I always tell everybody that banks are black and white. Whereas like they have like these three loan programs, you either fit in or you don't. They're either going to give it to you or not. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a loan officer or a broker or something like that can uh, look at like a hundred different options, and they'll make something work for you. You know, that is, like, I mean, that is true to a certain extent. Although I have been running into a lot of, a lot of scenarios recently where there are loan officers that operate in black and white too. Okay. Like there's there's loan officers that just, 
I mean, they, they just don't, either they don't have the ability to think outside the box when it comes to a loan scenario, or they just don't have something available to them. Um, I'm kind of biased in that sense because I was almost raised in this industry around the idea of not everything is black and white. Yeah. It's figure out how to get it done and then present that to the client. Now, you may not like the numbers that you see, but if here's this where you want to be, like if you want $500,000, and you know you can't afford five hundred thousand dollars. We're not going to pre-approve you, but what we will do is we'll tell you how to get there, because at right. least then it gives you a like a clear path of if you do this thing, this thing, and this thing. It'll first of all it'll may build your credit to the point where you can afford that, or the pricing gets better, yeah. Or you know, it'll just put you in a better situation. Dude, so, I worked with uh, so the guy who was in here before you, mm-hmm. uh, his name's Jerry, but he was sent to me by Rob and Janie. Um, so Rob. I started working with, he was the first person I considered a client when I started. Okay. I didn't sell him a house until four years ago. So I want to say three, four years it took of building his credit, figuring out what he needed to do. Like, it was horrendous. But what I did is I worked with a loan officer, Mm -hmm. and just every year we tried. Oh, well, this is where you're at. This is what's holding you back. This is how we can get you on track to make this shit happen. Right. And he fucking did it. He owns a house now. I mean, he's one of my favorite, like, you can do it stories, Mm -hmm. right? Because he's a cook. Like, he hasn't been, like, he's not making a ton of money. His wife is, um, she works at Peace Health. Yeah. Uh, I think she's an MA. So I don't know what that means, but she's, like, one of the people who. Medical assistant, maybe? Yeah, there we go. I think that's what she does. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I want to say that's what she does. Sorry, Maybe. Janie, if I'm it, wrong. It's uh, it's potential. Yeah. Potentially. She works in the, in Peace Health. Right. I know that for sure. Um, but they don't make a ton of money, but they handle their shit, and he mm-hmm. did it the right way. I was like, look, you got to do this. you got to do this. Don't mm-hmm. pay that all the way off. Right. That's not going to help. Right, and that's the important thing, too, yeah. is that a lot of people are just like, you know, I'll just pay everything off, and then, you know, that'll magically boost my credit score by hundreds of points. And a lot of times, that's not actually the case. Yeah. You if know? anything, you just got to keep it, what, under 30%, right? Yep. Yeah. That keep looks credit good. card usage under 33%. It's more like 33%, but yeah, the 30 to 33%, that's where that's what looks the best, so... Cool. Uh, but I, yeah, man. I, I mean, tell everybody it's a pay to play, and those those kind of stories too are honestly they're the most fulfilling because yeah. even though it takes a long time, like that's how you that's how you build a true partnership. Like that's how that's how you honestly you're probably going to retain that client for life. Well, like, we've already been good friends for fucking ever, but like, but like professionally, he, he sends people to me. Yeah. Anybody who's talking about a, a buying a house, whether they qualify or not, I mean, I haven't ran into, I don't think I've ran into any person that he sent to me. That actually qualifies, right? And <laughs> most of the time, when somebody doesn't qualify, they kind of just drop off the face of the earth. You right. know, like you'll never hear from him again. But he sent me like eight, mm-hmm. right? Like that to me is an is in my A category of clients. Mm-hmm. Not to mention he's a good friend already, right? So like he's a good dude. I busted my fucking ass. He saw that, and then we got it done. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, he saw the he saw the value, and it was something that he really wanted to do. So, I mean, those kind of stories, those are most fulfilling, man. Yeah, honestly, I had a I had a client back in uh, back in May. Shout out Jose, uh, <laughs> but he when I first spoke to him, he had uh, he had told me that basically he was like, you know, I've just accepted the fact that like I'm never going to be a homeowner, and I'm okay with that. You know, we're going to rent. We're we're perfectly happy where we are. 
and you know all that sort of stuff and I was like that's I mean that's that's awesome but you've never been curious as to like what you could afford and he's like well I just I don't want to pay for anything I was like no 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 like just come into the office we'll do it together yeah you know bring bring this document and this document I'll be able to like do an application with you and it's not going to cost you anything but it's going to show you at least how much you could afford right so I mean fast forward down the line we ended up getting him a house in Salem um, for like three hundred. Three hundred thirty thousand dollars. Right. Um, not an easy find. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. But it was just like it was one of those situations where just everything fit together so perfectly. And the loan program that we were doing was a, a, a DPA, so a down payment assistance program. Yeah. It actually allowed him to get his full earnest money refunded at closing, his appraisal money, his uh, inspection money, and then he also got a twelve month full warranty on his house. Nice. So he got he actually like he he net zero. On the purchase of that house like he got all of his money back which was really awesome yeah and it's like it's not something that happens a whole lot in mortgage and so like when he was t- he was telling me I-, I talked to him pretty regularly but uh, he was telling me that he was telling all of his buddies at work that uh, he got his earnest money back and they're like what are you talking about there's no way that you got your earnest money back and he's like no I did like I got I got it all back and they were just looking at him like he had like 10 heads and yeah. he was just like, he was telling me, he was like, man, it just, it's, that's a really awesome feeling because like now I'm the one that knows more about homes and mortgages than they do when before it was the other way around. So it was just, it was one of those stories that was, again, it was just really fulfilling. And like he did the, the hard work that was worth doing. It paid off for him and his family. And he's just been, he's been super stoked since then. It's, yeah, it's hard, you know? And then it, that shit happens too where something will happen and, You'll get like a three hundred thousand, three fifty, right? Especially right now, mm-hmm. that ain't easy. Right? Well, yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's a lot more constricted now, but well, and so, but like they're doing down payment assistance, so it's got to be FHA approved. It's like all this other shit for conventional, sure, three fifty, I can do that all day. You got thirty options, right? But for FHA, you have three. Yeah, you got three now, and they're gonna be gone in by the weekend. You know it what was I mean? tough. It was yeah. tough. I'm not gonna lie. You know, it was a it was a, a situation with a difficult seller too. Oh, nice. Where last week of closing, nobody on the on the selling side was answering their phone, and I was like, "All right, well, we've got two options: either somebody's going to answer the phone, or I'm driving down there. <laughs> like, yeah. like this is not going to happen." Yeah. <laughs> so we finally got a hold of them. There was some sort of like you know bad bad service, bad connection, didn't get any calls type story. But I was just like, "Doesn't matter. Let's just get it done right now." Absolutely. We ended up yeah, we closed we closed on time and. Got it done. He's just, he's super stoked. He actually, he called me yesterday just to, to check in. Nice. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I've been doing all this work on the outside of the house. Like, you remember how it looked like this? Well, now it looks like this. And was like walking me through all of the, all the improvements that he's been doing. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was really awesome. It was really awesome. It kind of just, it re-solidified kind of the purpose of, of why I do what I do. Right. It's not just for the money. It's for, like, it's for stories like that, man. Man, like, we make good money, you yeah. know? Like, so... Especially on my end, I think I, I think we end up making more than you guys do. I'm not sure, Definitely. but um, okay. Well, there you go. But uh, <laughs> I don't do it for that. Like my favorite part is handing somebody keys. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and they're, they're just so grateful. They're just so thankful of everything. And and um, I always tell my clients too, like, don't fucking settle on a house. Mm-hmm. And my biggest reason is because what I've realized doing this for as long as I have is every time you open that door. And you hate it, you're gonna think of me, the guy who forced you into this house. Who, right. And whatever situation you you want to create for yourself, 
if you hate this house, you hate me. Exactly. And you're going to remember that every fucking day. But on that same token, when somebody comes over and they're like, I fucking love your house, you're going to think of me. Mm-hmm. I need it to be that way. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I live mostly on referrals, man. I mean, yeah, we got lead services and all this other bullshit. But, right. like, if I can't create a scenario where people are calling me because they heard I did a great job, it's just not going to happen. I mean, I got clients, like, this this one I'm closing turned into three deals all at once, right? And because they're selling and buying. That's always one of the best scenarios. Mm. Well, I held an open house. This person wanted to purchase this house. They hated their fucking realtor. And a fiduciary duty I see as, well, then it's my fiduciary duty to help this person <laughs> because that other client, that other realtor sucks. <laughs> yeah. Right? So uh, I did that and it turned into a triple. So I'm on the buy and wow. sell end of this listing and the purchase of their new home. Wow. It's also turned into the weirdest fucking deal I've ever done because my clients were, of course, contingent on their buy. Right. Because of their home, right? Well, the lady who purchased, that is also now my client, is contingent on that buy of that house on her sale of her home in Sumner. And so, like, there's just, like, this ladder of, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, this whole time. Like, just everybody has to do this correctly. But we closed on next Wednesday. Oh, nice. On three three out of the four will close. And so, uh, interesting. Yeah, man. Got real weird, real quick. <laughs> it was nuts, but hey, we're we're working through it. Yeah, and it's been um, it's been very strange. And if I haven't been doing this as long as I have, and have the experience and confidence in myself that I did, this wouldn't have worked. Because basically, what I did is I, I went to the other realtor and was like, "How's this? How's it going? Like, explain to me the situation." Blah blah. blah. She's obviously new, ish, right? Um, some of the stuff she was saying kind of indicated that she's a little nervous about the sales. She's blah, blah, blah. I basically was like, do this, do this, do this. Like, I'm not fucking playing games with any of you. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to do all these things. I'm going to do these things for this person, this thing for this person, this thing for this person. I played right. no fucking games. I took complete control over four of these three sales, right? So I get paid off of three of these sales. The sale over here in Sumner, I get paid nothing. But mm-hmm. if that sale doesn't happen, none of these happen. Right. So I basically took over this other fucking deal and handled the shit out of it. Because she was like, well, she won't come down. She li- she listed it for $100,000 more than it was worth to begin with. Oh. Very nice. Yeah, it was awesome. The the old, I know what I've got. Yeah, kind of she's listing. new. Yeah. Right? So the issue was that house in Sumner, there's a huge... There's a huge multi-million dollar construction going on out there. And they're building $700,000 houses, like 80 of them. So she's like, well, this house is, will, now, now this house will be worth what she listed it for. Mm-hmm. Not right now. Yeah, They don't have a single one built, not a single one sold. Play the game where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to understand that when it's built, yeah, whoever's buying that house is a fucking genius. Because in two, three years, when these houses start getting built and sold, that house will be worth what's being sold near it. Not to mention, these are all on point, like point one four acres, $700,000 houses, two twenty five hundred square foot houses. I've seen all these plots, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you got no yard, no nothing, fat fucking house. You could slap your neighbor's wife. 
from your fucking window, right? <laughs> like just like just that's how this is. Yeah. And there are gonna be fucking eighty of them stacked right next to each other. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Well, now you got this other house that is old as fuck, but it's three thousand square feet. It's on an acre and a half, and it's a mile from there. It's gonna be worth so much more. So much fucking money. So yeah, you'll make that hundred thousand dollars in a couple of years, easy, based on what's been sold over there. Right. Plus. The, the closing price, I think, was like 525 right? And she wanted to start at fucking six six twenty five is where she tried to start. So that'll be easy in a couple of years, mm-hmm. but... Not right now. Not yet, yeah. right? So I had to... I talked to her, and I said, okay, well, here's what you need to do. You need to talk to the client, right, and talk to them about this and this and this. And then you need to... What I would suggest doing is going to your broker, Talking to your broker, having them come through and repricing without knowledge of how much it's worth, right? Like, just just have people help you and get a couple opinions. Fucking pay for an appraisal. Right. If this client is stuck on this fucking number, pay the $800 for a fucking appraisal. You know why? Because it'll sell once you do that. And it's mm-hmm. you realize that it's only worth 500 525 right now. Like, stop fucking with this. The longer it's on the market, the worse it's going to look, the harder it's going to be to sell. Exactly. It's just not going to be good. So I had that's to walk a, her through it. That's a whole different level of value add that you've you've created in that space, though. Because, well, and, because she's going to remember that. Christy? Or, the, the agent. I shouldn't say that. The agent will. Right. Yeah. But like my, my buyer, who is selling that house with her, has no fucking idea. She's like, oh, my, my listing agent came up with all these great ideas, blah, blah, I'm not going to be like, yeah, that was me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course, your agent did great. Like, I need you to have confidence in your fucking agent exactly. who's selling your house, exactly. right? You don't need to know that it was me, that I fucking sold all four of these goddamn <laughs> houses. Like, just, you don't need to know. You did one for free so that you could get paid on three of them. That's what I'm exactly. saying, dude. But yeah. people don't get it. And that's, that's the thing is... Uh, our job really is, it should be client-based, man. Absolutely. I'm not walking you through houses you can't afford so you'll up your purchase price. Right. I need you to be able to go to the fucking movies on the weekends, mm-hmm. you know? Like, live a happy life. Because if you're living paycheck to paycheck in a fucking sweet-ass house, you're not going to give a shit. Yeah. If you make a million dollars and you spend a million in one, you're still broke. Right. You know? That's so. how this works, man. So, uh, you got to teach my ex-wife that fucking <laughs> <laughs> not fucking get it <laughs> it's funny too because uh you're, you're in the goal setting coaching and all that other shit right yeah. I've, I've been through a lot of that shit i've been on sales for fucking a long time even when i cooked i would take summers off sometimes and go sell security systems door to door okay um so like i've been in sales hard sales yeah. for a long time right so you were done door to door i have not but i did i have a background in internet marketing cold okay calling. i did that for two years and I think that is, but that and door to door sales are some of like the the hardest lessons that you learn in sales. Dude, if you <laughs> can make nobody it, nobody wants in, to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, if you can make it in one of those, you're gold. Like yeah. you can do any sales, anytime, any yes, day. Absolutely. I built this business I have doing door knocking and open houses. Like I mean, and now business is great, mm-hmm. right? Because I can afford to pay for leads. I can also pay afford to pay a fucking amazing assistant that does basically everything for me, mm-hmm. right? But that opens up, like I hate paperwork. I hate all the back end shit that just takes you an hour to do. You know what I mean? I hate connecting, like like her main job is literally sitting next to me all fucking day, telling me what I'm doing next. 
if you can keep me on track, I will make us both money. You know what yeah, I mean? There you like, go. I don't give Light a and fuck. Shoot. Yeah, dude. Like, but I, I have such a hard time, especially with my ADHD, keeping track of what the fuck I'm doing. I'll yeah. pick up my phone and be like, "Who am I calling?" And she answers, right? Like, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I need. Because exactly. otherwise, I'm sitting here for ten fucking minutes trying to figure out who the fuck I'm supposed to talk to. Yeah. You ever just you ever open your phone and you just look at it? And yeah. You can t- like you can tell you can remember that there's something that you're supposed to do, but the harder you think about it, like you can actually feel the thought just like flying away. Right. It's like, and then then you put your phone down. You don't even know what time it is. Exactly. And you were just looking at it. <laughs> yeah. like, you have no idea. <laughs> fuck, man. Uh, the amount of times I've taken my phone out of my pocket specifically to check the time. Yeah. And then I put my phone in my pocket. And I'm like, wait, what time is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm just glad it's in my own brain. Yeah. And not everyone knows that that's what I just did. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fuck, man. It's like an ooh, something shiny type moment. Yeah, dude, <laughs> all day. But uh, it, it, it's nuts, man. And so I'm also trying to take on um, – I was going to build a team here. At Keller Williams, um, I hate the notion, and I know a lot of people are making really good money on it and doing all that other shit. I'm frustrated at how they do it. Um, they get a fat chunk of everybody's check, and people make barely any money. I'm trying to set up this whole. Let me teach you. Use me as long as you need to, and then go make some fucking money, right? Got you. Okay. So one of the things I'm trying to do is bring people in. Um, like, you want to make phone calls? Good. Here's a thousand fucking people. Start here. Make some phone calls. Anybody you get from here is your client. Now, what we're going to do, I paid for the lead. You have no idea what you're fucking doing. So we're going to split this deal 50-50, right? Yeah. I will walk you through hand in hand through this entire transaction because you will get no better at this fucking job till you do 30 fucking transactions. I can guarantee that shit. Yeah. I hate their little model here. They have this thing called PC coaching where they're like hyping you up. Go get a deal. Go get a deal. From where? Yeah. I got my license and I was pissed my phone wasn't ringing. That reminds me of a quote that uh, that I got from from our COO at Vision Mortgage Group. Shout out Annalise. Uh, but she said... <laughs> I when talked I, to her. She's a sweetheart. Yeah. When I got licensed, she said, she said great, your license. What's the hardest part about, about a deal? And I was just like, uh, I'm, and I started like just randomly guessing and she's like, nope, nope, nope. Finally, I was just like, what is it? She's like getting the deal. Yeah. And that's, that's so final. Exactly. It's the hardest part about doing mortgages. Well, it's strange because like you get your license, you think your phone's going to ring. Exactly. You know how many family members didn't use me because I was brand new? I was so frustrated when that happened. So irritated. I'm like, but we're family. They're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but you have no idea what you're doing. And I'm like, well, that may be true. But you, you should use me anyways, yeah. right? But now that I'm older, I've done this for a long time, and they call, they've they called me with their real estate questions for fucking ever. First of all, I cut, I want to say 80% of my family from business. I refuse to work with them. First of all, we're Sicilians, <laughs> and a lot of them are just worried about their money-grabbing assholes, most okay. of them. I've done... Uh, the last one where I literally told each of them, if your last name is Magno, don't fucking call me. <laughs> I, st- I told one of them, I said, spread the fucking word because fuck all of you. Because, <laughs> dude, we get down there. I'm showing this dude houses. My cousin. Yeah. Showing him houses. And then he goes off and he sees one that he likes when I'm not there. Well, the agent's there. The agent gave them my commission off the house to purchase with him. 
Yeah. What? So he basically took ten grand off the purchase price to not involve me. Wow. And they did it. Wow. Fuck you. Fuck you. I got you through your mortgage process. I got you through all this other bullshit. I got you're using Rocket Mortgage to begin with, which is fucking oh, bullshit. Jesus. I'm over here trying to work on the weekends, which they don't. Yeah. I need a pre-approval on a weekend. That's not going to happen. You know what's crazy, actually? So I had to get an appraisal transfer from Rocket Mortgage one time. Nice. I was on hold for 45 minutes before I even got a hold of somebody. And then turns out I was I, I got transferred to the wrong department. So I got sent back to where I was initially, waited another 20 minutes, only to find out that the first place that I called was the right department. And so I just got ping-ponged back and forth through all these different departments before finally I was like, look, I just need the appraisal transferred, okay? Here's the documents that I need. It's like this, this, and this. That's all I need. Can someone please just send it to me? I know you guys have like a centralized database or whatever. Just ask whoever you need to ask because I'm sick of just being on hold and then being told that I'm on the wrong line. 45 minutes, though. Yeah. 45 minutes. It's so ridiculous. They're terrible. It's so ridiculous. And the thing is, too, and that's you being kind of a bad guy. Right? That's right. you. Be, can you imagine how fucking mad I am? Like, trying to complete a sale and then basically telling me no? Because, like, you're closed on the weekends when I'm showing these houses. Mm-hmm. And these, these my cousin and shit took it against me. Because like, I'm like, I, I will not submit an offer without a pre-approval. Yeah. I will not. Why? Because I wouldn't look at a fucking offer without a pre-approval. I would not let my clients look at one without a completed offer, Mm -hmm. which is with a pre-approval. A lot of people don't even look at offers that have rocket mortgage pre-approvals. I've spoken to a bunch of I've spoken to a bunch of agents that have told me that it goes directly into their cylindrical filing cabinet. Well, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Veterans United too is rough. Yeah, I don't know if you've dealt with them at all. I mean, you're a mortgage, so you don't really deal with other brokerage, other mortgages, but um, they piss me off. Because the VA, mm. <laughs> I don't know what kind of incentive program they have, but if you go into the VA and say you want a mortgage, they will send you to Veterans United, who does not work for the VA. They're called Veterans United because the VA sends them shit. But they're no in no way, shape, or form affiliated, and they're another rocket mortgage. They don't work fucking weekends. They don't do shit. I had to yell at this fucking guy... Give me your personal goddamn number. Mm-hmm. Because I don't give a fuck that you work in Missouri and get off at 5 p.m. Yeah. That's 3 p.m. my time, you jackass. There's business that needs to be done. I right. Need to answer. Like, answer your fucking phone. Exactly. Well, I'm not even allowed in my work email. from. Then send me a personal fucking email. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Why the it, fuck do I work done. on your clock? Yeah. It is stupid. That's what's so infuriating, though. So infuriating that that's like, it's, it's so common. It's so common that, like, even people like you and I that are just that are willing to take the phone calls after work, mm-hmm. like after work hours or work weekends. Like, I have my laptop in in the car yep. with me right now on the off chance that somebody needs a pre-approval. I don't have any calls lined up for this afternoon yet. Right. But on the off chance that someone does call me and they're like, "Hey, I was thinking of offering on this house. What do you think about that?" I have the application already on my computer. That way, I can just plug in the numbers and be like, "Okay, here's what monthly payment looks like." Here's what your cash to close looks like. Is this something that you're you're comfortable with paying? And that's what I try to stress to people is that like application sounds so it sounds so like 
definitive. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do an application. That means, like, I either get accepted or denied. If I get accepted, I have to move forward. That's the narrative that I'm, I'm wanting to change, is that an application, essentially, for me, is just a working document. Yeah. It's a live sheet that I can play with numbers. It's also on. a roadmap. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I could tell you right now, yes or no, whether or not you could afford this house, but are you going to believe me? Is there any, like, evidence? Is there any fact Right. That backs us up. I could tell you whatever I wanted, and you could either believe me or not believe me. I choose to present the facts and show you exactly how this works and why the reasoning is behind it. Yeah. So, like, even with even with that client that I was I was talking to you about that I met last week, um, we did an application right there together. Like, she was sitting across the table from me, and yeah. I did the application right there with her. After that, I turned it around and I was like, "This is why it's so important to have this, is because first of all, I'm able to take a look at your credit report right here." There's a percentage, there's two percentages up here which represent your debt to income ratio. Now, depending on what this number is, that will decide which loan program we can put you in, whether it's conventional, FHA, whether we have to go DPA, you know, whatever right. it is. It gives me a much broader understanding of your financial situation. That way, I'm able to make the best educated decision on what to present to you for options. Right. And really just laying all that out because I could tell that she was kind of apprehensive. She was like, well, you know, I'm not really sure if I want to buy right now. Like, I'm excited to. I would love to. But I'm not really sure if, you know, I want to take that leap right now. Yeah. And I was like, that's totally fine. But just let's do this so that you can see exactly what your situation looks like from, from like, behind the curtain, right? Yeah. And so after that, then she started to get really excited. She started sending me, like, properties and stuff, which I'll, I'll talk to you about it. She's, she's got some ideas. But there were some interesting ones. Okay. Some interesting ones. So we'll talk about that offline. Interesting. But, yes. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. want to out anybody on the podcast right now. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just, that's to me, that's what's truly valuable about what it is that we do on the mortgage side is yeah. being able to educate in a, in a way that isn't pushy. So, I mean, like the way that I define sales is that you, there's two people that come together to solve a problem for mutual benefit. Yeah. So... The angle that I come at, even when I'm cold calling people, is to come at it from an angle of being a resource. Yeah. So, look, I'm never going to push you into into getting a mortgage if it's not something that you want. If it's not something that, like, if you don't want to buy a house and you don't see yourself being a homeowner, not because of an affordability standpoint, but just because right. it's something that you choose not to do, that's fine. Yeah, that's do what you're that's doing. totally fine. Yeah. If you're happy with being that, like, that's totally okay. I'm still going to ask if there's anybody in your family I can be connected with. Absolutely. But, but I'm not going to push you. You know yeah. what I mean? I want to be able to be an educational resource for you. That way, if you ever do have questions, because maybe you're, you don't want to be a homeowner today, but maybe next week, you know, you see something on TV or you're driving past an open house and you're like, actually, I would love to own that place. I want to be top of mind. That way I can be the person that was like, oh, well, you know what? This person didn't try to sell me on anything. They were just trying to be helpful. Yeah. And so that's like a lot of the leads that I've gotten from you. Like I've, I've made sure to make that known because there's a lot of people there. They're from like 2018, 2019 yeah. that are like, we already bought, you know, when rates were crazy low, like two and a half percent. I'm like, that's amazing. Fantastic. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you to refinance when rates are not that anymore. Right. But you know, what I do want to know, what I do want to let you know is that I'm here for if there is inevitably when there is another purchase or if there's somebody in your family that wants to purchase yeah, or even questions. if you have questions about yeah. your mortgage right now, you know, cause a lot of people, what I've noticed is that a lot of people will only buy maybe once or twice. Like, like typically they'll only buy once or twice in their lifetime. Yeah. So when it comes down to like the nitty gritty details and stuff, how often are they taking a look at this? How familiar are they with it? 
right. right? And so having somebody, having that, that, that guy, right, that guy in your pocket where you're just like, I know a guy who can help us with this. Yeah. That's who I want to be. That's what I want to build my business around. Yeah, so I've done a lot of that too where it's like uh, I've helped quite a few people even just finding a rental. That yeah. is not my fucking job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Everyone seems to think it is because I'm <laughs> New York or whatever the fuck, right? right? But like I don't do that. Mm-hmm. But you know what I do do? I am I do do <laughs> silly. I was waiting for you to catch it. <laughs> uh, I want to be the dude. Anything real estate related, you're gonna call me. So I right. will help you find a, a rental. Yeah. I will help you figure some shit out. I'm at least gonna try because next time when you have another question, maybe it's involved in the house. I'm gonna be the dude you call anytime there's a real estate question, or I'm gonna be the one whose number you hand out. Because I answered your question last time. This guy's got a question. Put me on the board with this guy. Mm-hmm. You find him a rental this time. In a year, I'm not fucking going anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll be here for a while. So exactly. when you're ready, let's do it. Yeah. And that's that's so important because like a lot of these people will think that you're just trying to you're just gonna push and push and push and not take no for an answer because unfortunately there are a lot of people like that out there. Car salesmen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and they think that mortgages and cars equate. Like it's yeah. it's not the same. You know. Well the hard part is there are still those type of people involved, right? So changing the stigma, because I mean I know that realtors are just money money grubbing fucking assholes you know what i mean like that's <laughs> <Insert>. just <laughs> right so that, that that's the that's what everybody thinks and right. so i'm trying to change that as well to where we're a good thing and yes mm-hmm. i mean we're over glorified middlemen that's what we do but the thing is if you don't know how to do this transaction which 99 percent of people don't um you need that person you also need somebody who can negotiate for you too exactly you, you want to sit here and tell me that you're going to be able to do what I do for a living well once every five years? Probably not. Or at least not as well as I do. So, and that's not me being confident. That's me being realistic. I mean, I can tile my bathroom. Mm -hmm. It's not going to look as good as a dude who's doing that every fucking day. It's also not going to get done as quick, right? I'd rather pay somebody to do that shit. Exactly. It's not even just an ease. It's a improvement of... Just life. I mean, how much you know how much stress I take pe- off people's heads that they don't even fucking know about. Like, like this this cell, I had to handle something I wasn't even involved in, mm-hmm. just so my client felt more comfortable about purchasing from my other client. So that client can now purchase right something else, right? And it's just it's this whole train of just I am I am your peace of mind. I am the one who's going to handle it for you. Right? Like, you call me with a question or an issue or all that other bullshit, I'm going to handle it. I may not know how, but I'm going to figure that shit out and we're going to we're gonna handle it, you know? Absolutely. And it's, it's really hard because a lot of times people call me with your questions, mortgage questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm very upfront. That's not a question for me. Yeah. I got a number if you want to call this person. Mm-hmm. Well, but, like, you're the one I ask about all this stuff. Right. But I don't do that. Call a professional who does. Mm-hmm. And then we get your questions answered correctly. Because I can third-party your questions all fucking day. Yeah. But when I answer your question directly, and you have more questions about that answer, just go to the source, bro. Exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> like, and so that, that same client that I was talking to you about just now, Yeah. Uh, 
she was telling me what she was looking for in a home and she was like i need you to start like looking can you start looking for properties for me like this is what i'm looking for da 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 and i was like whoa whoa, whoa. all right let's let's pump the brakes here first of all we don't have a pre-approval yet yeah so like i understand and i appreciate your eagerness but we need to take care of this obstacle before we can take care of that one right yeah second of all i don't do real estate i do the mortgage side of things now I have a great connection for you, right? right. That, someone that can really help you, and that's like his entire job is to be able to to negotiate these transactions for you. So he's going to be a much better resource for you. But what I'd like to do first is I'd like to work together so that we can get this first part handled. That way, when I send you over to Tyler, you know it's not like a well, hey, where's your pre-approval? Like, let's start submitting offers, and then you'd be like, oh, well, we're still working on it. Like, you yeah. can tell him what you want all day long, and when he starts showing you houses and stuff and you want to submit an offer, but you don't have a pre-approval, he's going to stop you right there. Yeah. So let's work together to get this done first, and then afterwards, then we'll move on to the next step. Well, and that's the biggest issue I have, too, with, especially with uh, mortgage lenders and shit, is uh, I'll have a pre-approval, pre-qualification fucking yeah. conversation, mm-hmm. right? Oh, well, the, they could probably go about here, they can go about there. Yeah, but, like, say I write an offer tomorrow, because I bust my ass... Mm-hmm. And I get shit done, right? So you send me a client that can go look at houses. Mm-hmm. I expect to be able to write an offer that day. Absolutely. That's what I expect because yeah. that's what I do. You know what I mean? I will show you fucking all six of those houses. And I will not show you more than that mm-hmm. because if you're looking at more than that, pick your top five. You know what I mean? Like that's another real estate conversation right. that I always have to have. People want to look at 20 fucking houses. And I'm like, but if you had to choose your top five, which would those be? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're going to go look at those because these other ones don't fucking matter and you're wasting my time. Right. Um, granted, I look at houses on the weekends when I don't have shit to do. It's fun. But at the same time, if you're looking to actually purchase, like, can we can we wrap this shit up here? Exactly. Like, let's be let's be intentional with our time. I don't right. want to waste your time and I don't want you to waste mine because right. we're valuable. Very and so valid, that's, yeah. I mean, and again, that kind of loops it back to the application too. That's why I always have my laptop with me. Yep. People are submitting offers all the time. People that are actually serious about this stuff. There's a lot of onesie twosies that are like, eh, on the fence, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But there's ultimately there are still that group of people that are very interested in buying and understand the value of purchasing when rates are on the higher end. I mean, and you say on the higher end, this is still a... A nation average. I mean, it, and that's the thing is that like that, that's the narrative, and I I even catch myself being in that that mind state right. a lot of the time is like you know you hear it so much that like unintentionally you start saying mm, right right rates are high, but that's it's true, it's yeah. true. It's really not even that bad. Seven to nine is like the average over the past like eighty fucking years. Exactly. So and that that's that's a good average. I mean, we're not double digits, and we're at the bottom half of the average. That doesn't seem terrible to me. And fuck it. If rates go down, refinance. Exactly. If rates go up, you're good to go, bro. Exactly. People don't get it. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I tell people all the time. All the time. And it sounds so cheesy, but you date the rate. That's, I mean, there's yeah. there's a reason why it's cheesy and why it's used so much is because it's, it's, it's the truth. You marry the house, you date the rate. You know, rates are, rates are temporary. Even in this market right now. Like, you don't, just because someone tells you that rates are at 7% doesn't mean that your rate has to be at 7%. What? There, there's buy-downs? There's, there's like exactly. all this shit that you exactly. can do. What I've noticed a lot, too, is that people don't, aren't aware of how seller credit can be used and yep. how, how, like, how common it is in markets like this. Well, it's because at the same time, too, you're dealing with what I've been having to deal with. This is weekend warrior fucking real estate agents 
who have no fucking idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, rates are at seven percent. Okay, well we can do a buy down. We can do seller credit for this. We Ooh, can what do does that, that mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, and I can explain that shit because I've been doing it forever. Exactly. But you get to a, a person who has no idea what the fuck that even means, right? And now they're what calling the lender just to ask, or they just, oh well, well you can't do that, or oh well, yeah, the rates are what they are. Well, they're not. Like, there's a way around everything. Yeah. Just uh, people don't realize that there's a sheet and that each rate has a cost that's associated to it. So permanent buy downs. What I've told people is that if if rate if rate is really that important to you, then there's there's ways around that. Yeah. That's that's it, there's options, right? That's where we come in with the two one buy down. If they don't want if they don't want to do the two one buy down because there is a little bit of, of a cost to to set up the two one buy down. Depending on your purchase price, it can be like ten grand, right? Uh, but so there is a cost associated with setting up the two one buy down just because there's money that has to be put aside. Um, but if that's like, you know, if that's like, a, uh, I don't know, kind of like a pucker point for you, then we'll go to the, the permanent rate buy down. Well, I don't want to pay this for that rate. Okay, well, why don't we look into seller credit? Right. What's that? Okay, seller credit is the purchase, it's a percentage of the purchase price that is used to offset your total closing costs. Now, depending on your loan program, it can be 3%, it can be 6%. Well, and, and depending on your realtor. Exactly. Like, and that's the power of having a good realtor who's like a bulldog in negotiations. Somebody well, that can I mean, actually get that shit done. Because people don't understand, well, well, oh, I want the seller to pay ten grand. Well, the house is definitely worth what they're asking. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we up the purchase price by ten grand? Then you're basically financing that shit. Like, then everybody feels like they win. Exactly. Right? My job is to make sure that nobody feels like they lost. That is what my job is, right? Oh, you, well, I wasn't talking to you about that. I was talking about fucking with Jerry about that shit because he's doing <laughs> negotiations with the union. Okay. But, like, so my biggest job, which people really don't get, is my job isn't to be the winner, right? To make you guys win and everybody else loses. Fuck them. Everybody has to feel like they at least didn't lose. Mm-hmm. That's the point. That's a good negotiation. Yes. Nobody lost, exactly. right? Because nobody's going to win-win. And if you're win-winning, you're probably a dickhead, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, somebody is pissed if you're winning, right. right? So that's just not the way good negotiations work. I mean, that was one of the issues I had with family. Um, so this cousin that was buying, he was doing it with daddy's money, mm-hmm. right? So, like, well, well, then, no, no, drop the price by, like, 20 grand. Make him, make him drop the price. Why it's worth that much? Like, why are yeah. you being an ass? Like, let's how much is that even saving them? Yeah. Like $20 a month? Like, will you chill the fuck out? Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? You know, <laughs> just, he just, he just, just wanted them, to win. Yeah, just make them drop it. Well, that was <laughs> that, the thing. It's it it more about winning than actually getting the house they wanted. Right. Like, that, that just... Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, I but mean, I think what you said is right. I mean, a good negotiation always is is a compromise. It's, it's winning on both sides. Right. Right. So, I mean... It, and again, like what you said, if, if someone is an absolute winner or it's like a win-win, then right. somewhere by definition, somewhere someone somewhere is losing. Yeah. Right. And so you gotta you gotta come together to make it make it a profitable and an equitable deal for both. That's true negotiation. But, right. But yeah, I mean, like people just don't really understand a lot of like the the creative ways of how you can reach that point. Well, and right. that's the other thing too. I'm trying to teach these younger, this younger people is, 
You're also not going to learn any of those until you start putting fucking deals together. Mm-hmm. Until you start seeing what other people are doing and how they're working through these situations. I mean, I didn't learn that fucking seller credit bullshit, like financing your, your closing costs. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn that till someone did it to me. And I'm like, well, this is more than we're asking. He's like, yeah, but I'm asking for a seller concession. And I'm like, oh, well, that brings it down to the regular price. Like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. He's like, we're basically financing closing costs. He's like, you're new, huh? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I am. Like, so what are you doing here? He's like, yeah. that's so that my client gets their closing costs covered because they're doing DPA. They're doing the Washington bond, right? Mm-hmm. They can't afford closing costs. So what we're doing is we're financing the closing costs through the loan, and everybody wins. And I was like, that's fucking genius. And then I started doing the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fucking happy because the seller's not losing anything. Yeah, they're back down to their normal purchase price. Right. But that's what they asked for and that's what they're getting. So what are you, what's your fucking problem? Yeah. I mean, usually appraisals will go up 10 grand. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, I have not had a low appraisal. I don't think ever. Really? I don't think I've ever had to deal with a low appraisal. I've had a couple of them. I do my damn job, right? So, like, if I'm making an offer, I'm doing a CMA on that fucking house. Mm. I'm not going to offer you more than that house is worth. And if I offer a low, I'm going to send you my CMA and explain to you why you're a fucking idiot. Why did you do that? Well, this $1 million house in the neighborhood sold, so that ups everybody. That house is eight bedrooms. You know what I mean? Like, you... It's not even comparable. <laughs> no, you're fucking stupid. Yeah. This house looks like it ate your house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It eats your it eats your house for breakfast every morning. Like <clears throat> your house is worth five hundred thousand dollars. That's what it's worth. Well, it should be six because of this million dollar home. Don't throw that fucking thing in there to offset your your difference here. It's not worth that much. Yeah, it's not how it works. He's like, well, we have been having like no showings. Yeah, because you're an idiot. You know, like we had a showing because we can afford six hundred, mm. but that house is not worth. We're not offering you six hundred because I'm not dealing with a low appraisal. Yeah, you want to get all the way down there and then have to lower your price out of necessity instead of fucking. And then what happens if they only lower the price by fifty? My client still fucked that extra fifty. I'm not playing this game with you. I will offer you five hundred thousand because that's what it's worth, and here is why. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I'm not playing these games. Like, crazy pain in the ass to have. If you can't do your fucking job, you can't do your job. That is your problem, not Mm -hmm. mine. Actually, no, low appraisal I dealt with on the listing side, but that was nothing I could do on that one because it was also worth it, worth the amount because they ended up going. That was a bad one. Yeah. That was a bad one. Yeah. (laughs) Those those girls should not have been in that fucking house. Um, like they had no business being in that fucking house. I told them that, uh, they were also two sisters moving in together. Both sisters had just had a baby within months of each other Mm. and it was just the sisters moving in together. So like dads Mm. were not involved. Like it was just a bad situation altogether. It was not okay. And, uh, then pushed it through, made it happen and then, lo and behold, a year later, they need to sell because they're they can't stand living in the same room, house together. And like all the, their aunt moved in, and like it's both of their aunt because they're sisters, right? So like it was just fucking terrible. And uh, I went to go sell their house. I'm like, well, this is how much it's worth. You're losing twenty grand, right? Uh, right off the bat, and that's after 
I'm taking no commission, no nothing. Because <coughs> I felt bad, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'm the one who put him in this situation, but... <coughs> I don't know, man. It was it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, dying here now. We got too excited. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I guess I have dealt with a low appraisal. But uh, as soon as that happened, we got pretty close to closing because we got to appraisal. Mm-hmm. It came back, like... 30 grand lower than we needed it and it was FHA so that's sticking with the house unless we rebuttaled it and did all that other shit which I had never done mm. and I was like well we're kind of fucked and so they're like fine like we're done completely we'll just stay in the house and then um, another agent had reached out to them and told them how to do it which that was just a lack of knowledge on my part which is why I lost it was like year one or two sure but mm. Yeah, and I mean, you don't I broke know. broke up with my ex-wife, that, right? and I fucking called one of them, too. Yeah. <laughs> she was hot. I liked her a lot. She was cool. Yeah. How'd that go down? It didn't. She was dating somebody else, so. There was no uh, no slipper sent flying your way? <laughs> no, no chancla? No, they were Hispanic, too. Yeah. Uh, they, I just, I had asked her about a rodeo. I know, I still have never been to a rodeo. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah, because, like, my ex-wife was uh, from El Salvador. Yeah. So it wasn't like something she was into. It's mostly Mexicans do the rodeo thing around here, right? And so uh, I just had never been to one, and I wanted to go. And I was like, oh, you know, like, I saw you were going to go. Like, can I go with you? She's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <coughs> I was like, cool. Like, like, you want me to take you to dinner first? Well, I said, oh, like, you want to like, you want to go with me? And she's like, well, I'm dating somebody. And then her boyfriend started texting me from her number. Oh, gosh. He got very... Possessive and all that mm-hmm. other bullshit, and I was just like, "Fuck it." So it hey, is. You better watch your mouth, buddy. Talking like this. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. I, I'm hitting on her. She said she's da- dating someone else. I wasn't going to keep going, but now right. I'm irritated. Yeah. You know, so like, part of me just wants to keep going <clears throat> just for that. <laughs> yeah, part of me wants to know who she would have chose to begin with. You know? <laughs> so like, <laughs> one is the wrong choice. The other is me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, no, dude. There's a there's there's a few rodeos. There's one actually. I went to a rodeo last year, which it's not like the most like serious rodeo around here, but it's pretty cool and it's pretty local. It's yeah. uh, it's called the Malala Buckaroo, <laughs> so it's obviously it's in Malala. Um, it's around summertime, but I went last year um, or the year like it's in the summertime, so not this summer just passed, but the one just before, and uh, it gets it gets active out there, dude. Yeah. Gets real, real active because there's a lot of like there's a lot of country folk that are like in like the southeastern part, like Oregon City, oh, yeah. Malala, Canby, like a lot of <clears throat> a lot of cowboys, um, or at least want to be cowboys. But uh, but yeah, so we go down there and they've got like this they've got this like beer tent where they're only selling beer and wine, and then they have like the beer garden where you can get like whiskeys and like all the hard liquor and shit. Yeah. And so like walking into the venue. They've got, like, garbage cans for, like, garbage, whatever, obviously. Uh, but we're walking into the entrance, and it's overflowing with cans. Like, empty cans of beer, empty cans of White Claws, truly, like, overflowing. There's about eight yeah. of them. Like, eight trash cans that are just on the way into the entrance, all of them overflowing. So people are just shit-faced going in there. Shit. And then afterwards, um, <laughs> it got a little wild. So the, the beer garden is right here. It's got like a chain link area, like it's fenced yeah. in so that you have to like show your wristband or whatever to get in. But then right on the outside of the chain link, there's like an area for the porta potties and stuff. 
a bunch of people actually ended up getting kicked out because they were uh, getting active in the porta potties. Oh, nice! And it was like it was like wow, <clears throat> wow! It's like they shut it down. So it's supposed to go on until like eleven thirty. They shut it down two hours early because people were just getting that shit faced. Like there was a guy that had two black X's on each of his hands, so he had been like he had been kicked out many many times <laughs> somehow still managed to make his way back into the beer garden yeah. and is double fisting whiskey and cokes <laughs> and it's just nice. just pounding him and he's got four black x's on his hands and so every time they like every time security sees him they just like pluck the drinks out of his hands and hand them to someone and then escort him out and then like 15 minutes later he's back it's like dude it's like some david blaine type shit like he just like he just uh, apparates just appears (laughs) but yeah uh but no man i mean there's there's a bunch of really cool ones there's one in pendleton actually there's another one in spray which are like smaller, like they're they're out there, like out in the country. So yeah. it's pretty authentic. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of them around here. Well, I got the goats and shit. I want to start farming and eventually, like just livestock, yeah. not like actually doing it to make money, just more for fun. Yeah. <coughs> but uh, yeah, you'll see me. I wear my boots and my buckle and yeah. my hats every once in a while too. I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to pull off that look. I'll occasionally. It's not about pulling it off. It's about just doing it. Dude. It well, that that Fuck is it. true. That is true. But it's just, like, for me, like, when I think of, like, farming, so I I come from Ireland. Like, I was born in Portland, but I was raised in Ireland. So farming, to me, has a very different meaning. Potatoes? (laughs) So, actually, actually, potatoes are not the biggest export. Okay. It's beef and dairy. Whoa. Yeah. So all of, like, the rich kids that I went to high school with over there, all dairy farmers. Like, and we're not talking, like, a hundred. We're talking, like, many, many hundreds, even thousands. So like they have these like multi multi acre multi hectare uh, fields and just wow. massive plots of land where they have a whole like multi million dollar dairy operation happening, um, and so like farming to me is like rubber boots and like a gigantic puffer jacket with a beanie driving a John Deere tractor that's like three times the size of a school bus. Wow. Whereas over here farming is like rodeo and you know like. Yeah. Obviously, still farming, farming, but like over there, it's just like it's different. Like there's there's a whole season, uh, we would call it bailing season, where all of the farmer kids would just disappear from school for like three weeks, and it was just like, well, where did everybody go? They're at home cutting the hay and bailing it. Yeah, because like it's all hands on deck. Yeah. Or like during the during the springtime, like early spring when it's calving season, where all their their cows are having babies and stuff, they're up at like. 3.30 in the morning, they don't go to bed until 11.30 that night. Like, there's no time for school during those busy farming seasons. And so, yeah, like, it's just, like, there's a whole different look and a whole different, like, feel of authenticity because between the two different types of farming, or styles of farming, rather. Yeah. So, like, coming over here and just being, like, belt buckle, <coughs> cowboy boots, and cowboy hat, and, I'm like, I'm trying to, like, trying to find the look. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's just, I don't know, it just doesn't feel... I think you'd pull it off fast. <clears throat> I, mean, I just gotta find it. I gotta find <clears throat> what that what that look is for me. Well, you look Hispanic, you know. So mm. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to pull it off. Here, you cafe yum, gross. <laughs> <clears throat> I think I've only had cafe yum a couple times. Yeah, I'm all right on that shit. I don't, for some reason, it just tastes sour. Like there's something about what they put in the bowls that just tastes sour. It's at a side or whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't know what the Something. fuck they're putting in there. I want food. 
Yeah. One thing I actually do really love though is acai bowls. Really? Yeah. Oh. So they take like the uh, the the berries. Mm-hmm. They they make this like sort of like frozen puree. So it's almost like a like a frozen yogurt almost. And then they put like banana slices, strawberries, chia seeds, stuff like that. Delicious. Mm-hmm. I had one of those in Hawaii. My aunt used to live over there. Yeah. Um, but like literally like fresh from the garden. Delicious. One of the best things I've ever eaten for breakfast. Yeah, we just did Hawaii like a month or so ago for like ten days. Yeah. My mom was over there for three months. Damn. <clears throat> yeah. It was uh, it was interesting. It was all right. Yeah, I liked Hawaii, but I I don't know. It was just like, I feel like I had a different level of appreciation to because it wasn't like a tourist site for me. Yeah, it was like it was an actual like vacation. So like I didn't I didn't go to any of the hotel resorts. Like I walked in downtown Oahu. Uh, my aunt lived like right on Waikiki Beach, so like it was tourists everywhere. Um, but I honestly I felt I felt very at home there. I felt just like I, I would just walk everywhere. Everything was in within walking distance. So I would just like pack a bag, make sure I have my, my water and my snacks or whatever. I always have a spam musubi. Have you, do you like those? No. No? Dude, I, I don't lived like off sushi that. at all. I lived off those. So it's like the, the slice of spam on rice. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I lived on those when I was there. Um, but yeah, and then I would have one water bottle of water, and then a second would have like an ice, an ice cold cocktail. In it, yeah. tequila. <laughs> so nice. I was living my best life out there, man. But nice. I would, I would go to the beach in the morning and like, go for a swim. I'd have to actually. So I had to take three showers a day when I was over there. Yeah. And so I'm curious. I'm curious. Did you also encounter that problem where you just like you come home from like even just doing whatever you were doing and you're you just wet. feel yeah you just yeah. feel moist. Well, so what I was doing is uh, where we were staying. My mom has like that. Um, what is it, like Vacation International? Right? Okay. So they're condos. Oh, right, okay. <clears throat> so each one had a pool. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is every time we'd get home, we'd just go to the pool for like 20 minutes, right? Just okay. rinse off, cool down, yeah, and then go back up there. Because I also like, I run really hot. Yeah. So I did not like being that hot over there and, and just wet all the time. Yeah. It gets and, uncomfortable. Yeah, because I, I was in, so my feet swelled up really bad while okay. I was there, and it would not go down. It didn't go down until a week after I got back. Interesting. Yeah, it was bad. So okay. there's something my mom. It happens to my mom too. So there's something going on there. But uh, but so I was just uncomfortable. I couldn't wear shoes, so I'm wearing like flip flops the whole time, which is whatever, right? I, I was fine with it. Right. Um, but then uh, I like tank tops and shorts, swimming trunks is yeah. all I wore. Like because I like we stopped at the beach, jumping in the beach. I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. We're gonna do that here. We're gonna do that there. But. Uh, my swimming shoes didn't fit. I had to get sandals, the strappy, roundy ones. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. My feet were so swollen, they wouldn't fit in my fucking swimming shoes. Yeah. It was bad. But. Yikes. I think you'd really enjoy Ireland. Anybody that runs hot, naturally, yeah. Yeah. would love a country like that. Well, so my buddies uh, just moved back to Scotland. He was one of my kickboxing coaches. And, okay. Uh, <clears throat> I want to go visit there. Plus, it's like the birthplace of Strongman, you know, the Highland Games and shit. So I wanted to do some of that, pick up the Denny Stones. And, mm. Yeah, because it's funny because everybody's like, oh, my God, it's like so hard to do that. I'm like, well, how much do they weigh? He's like, about 450 total. And I'm like, that ain't shit, dude. Like, I'm so into that. It'd be so easy. Dude, I would highly recommend going over there. Yeah, highly I definitely recommend. want to. It's, it's a completely different atmosphere. Like, it's, it's, very, it's still very much like medieval-esque. 
So like yeah. where I grew up, all of the all of like the bigger cities where we would go to uh, like go grocery shopping and stuff, the the ground is still cobblestone. Wow. Yeah. So like there's all these like really tiny alleys that were clearly not built for cars, where you have two lanes of traffic that are driving. Shit. Yeah. It's it's a trip. Like driving in Ireland is like it's an adrenaline rush. Yeah. Borderline X games. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so like all these cobblestone, uh, cobblestone roads and, and like sidewalks or as they call them footpaths. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like these buildings that are like stacked on top of each other. It's dude, it's medieval still. Well, I went to, uh, I went to Paris, Venice, uh, Belgium for a little bit, just in mm-hmm. the airport and shit. But like, uh, Paris, I, I fucking hated France. I hated it. Yeah. Uh, these people were such fucking assholes. Yeah. The whole time, like, like I'd be walking. I'm a big guy, right? Mm-hmm. Running into me, not your best move. So uh, it's not but they would try. Yeah. And I'm, like, trying to, like, get around people. Like, I'm trying not to run into you. And then I just stopped. I'm like, these people are going out of their way because I'm in Chuck's. I'm in fucking, like, I'm walking. Obviously, I'm American. You can mm-hmm. tell. Right? Uh, plus, I have a little brown woman with me. Right? Which is pretty not normal over there, too. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> They knew I wasn't from there, and they yeah. started, and I just started just like boom, like dropping these fucking French people. Right, they're like cussing at me and shit. I'm just like, just walk by, like fuck all of you. Their food was shit. I was so mad. I cooked for ten fucking years, mm-hmm. like fine dining. Yeah. I go to France, Paris, France. I can't find some good food. What the fuck? I had more fun with. I just would get baguettes and just make sandwiches. Because yeah. there wasn't food that was worth paying for over there. What about, uh, you tried the escargot? No, I'm not no. doing that shit. <laughs> no, I'm not, not a fan? I'm good. I'm good on that shit. Like, <laughs> no frog legs? <laughs> I like frog legs, actually. Like some fried frog legs? Yeah. I'm into that shit. I've never eaten frog, actually. I did because my, down to try it. my chef just fucking made some. I was like, here, try these. I was like, what is this, a fucking chicken wing? And he was like, try it. And I tried it, and I was like, it's like chewier but it's still like a chicken wing. Like, what yeah. is it? He's like, oh, those are frog legs. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> you know? like, should have told me that shit. But I had ostrich. I had a, I had a bunch of cool shit when I worked there. Yeah. He was he was from Ireland. Okay. And uh, he was a fucking piece of shit, though. He's just a well, drunk. Well. Just a drunk, man. I mean, he was, he was really cool, and then he started drinking. Yeah. And he would just turn into a piece of shit. It really sucked because he was one of the best chefs I've ever worked for. He owns uh, <clears throat> Feast at 316 down in Camas. Oh, okay. Great spot. Good food. Uh, he's just a piece of shit, so I won't support him. Um, That's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot when I was there, but he ended up making me one of his sous and then uh, demoted me and expected me to stay. <clears throat> it, was, it sucked, too, because I was working 80, 90-hour weeks. 80 to 90 hours in a week. I was there when it opened. I was there well after it was closed. Damn. And uh, I got nothing, nothing from this guy because I wasn't, I wasn't fine dining ready. I was not like what I learned in culinary school is what I learned in culinary school. Sure, but like it's a different ballgame. <clears throat> I, I didn't grow up that way, which was his issue. So oh, okay. I grew up poor, right? Like in Los Angeles, like. My mom worked two jobs, and I was at home by myself most of the time. I made what was in the fridge, and I ate it, like, to the point where it was, like, sometimes dinner was hot flour tortillas with some butter on it, you know? Like, I mean, it's just what it was. I was hungry. I had to eat. And yeah. 
So he was like, well, I can tell your palate isn't for fine dining. And I'm like, well, I love great food, but I need more. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you, I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and he's like, well, I need somebody who grew up that way and understands what fine dining is. I said, well, you know, like, if you teach me, I'll learn. But yeah. he didn't want to do that. And he was, he was just a real. <clears throat> so nice. I'm a sous chef is what I am. And the reason I explain that is because uh, I have a friend, Justin Lee, and he works up at Snoqualmie, the casino up there. I don't know if you know that is. North. Seattle-ish. Okay. <clears throat> He's the executive chef over the entire thing. Seven restaurants, like, Damn. bunch of shit. He's fucking amazing. Won a bunch of culinary shows, awards, like, all this shit. Mm-hmm. He was in the Culinary Olympics uh, in high school. So he was. he's fucking amazing, right? He can't do shit on the line. He's fucking garbage. Getting food out perfect every time and quick. Boom, 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 boom. It's not his shit. He would create a menu and create plates that would just blow your fucking mind. Like, don't even tell me what this is. I, that's the point I got to. It's, don't even tell me what this is anymore. I'm just going to eat it. And you mm-hmm. eat it. And I, I don't know if you've ever had a full mouth palate hit. I don't think so. It is almost orgasmic where you put something in your mouth and it touches each of your pieces of your palate on your tongue. And it's just wonderful to put in your mouth. You get sweet, sour, savory, like all this shit going on in your mouth. And it's just as you swallow it, you can feel it hitting other parts of your palate. Like my mouth's watering. Right? <laughs> I know you got my mouth. I'm salivating. So <laughs> it's just he puts this shit together and you're like, fuck. Yeah. So I'm a line cook. I am the, sh- the sous chef, the executive sous. I would always be, I'm running the line. I'm making mm-hmm. sure shit comes out on time. I'm teaching people how to cook, how to get there, how to do all that stuff. Right. I'm not the dude writing this menu. You know what I mean? I'm just not that guy. But you would not find a person with faster, more quality knife skills than I got. My hands are fucking phenomenal. I can get on that line and run the whole fucking thing myself. Right? Yeah. That's who I am. I'm not I'm not that executive chef writing menus and shit. He he's like that. But so that that's where it came into the issues, right? Where he's like, You're a cook, not a chef. No, I'm a sous chef. I'm an executive sous is where I ended up being before I ended mm-hmm. up getting into real estate. That's what I am. I can manage the entire line. I can run the entire line. I'm not sitting in an office. I don't want to. I don't want to sit in an office, do your fucking books. Write the menu, write out costs and all that other shit. I can do that shit. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm very hands-on. I, you can't sit me in an office for, for too, too long doing anything. I can't do it. Right. So we worked, uh, we worked together really well. He actually offered me a... He offered to give me a job up there and be like a sous chef or an executive chef uh, at that casino. And I don't know. Before last year, I really thought about it. So when I got my divorce, um, I, I sat in a nice little pit for about a year. You know what I mean? Mm. I lost just about everything. I got into a bunch of debt because shit ain't cheap. And uh, when you live a certain life making a certain amount of money, you keep doing that. Right. So that sucked. <clears throat> so I was pretty close to just taking him up on it, moving up to Seattle and cooking again. Mm. Uh, but I also, that is, it is what it is. I work for somebody again. Which I don't think I can do ever again. Because I just, I can't. I can't take orders very well. I'm very, I'm doing it this way. Mm. You know, like, I'm very teachable. 
But at the same time, if you're just ordering me around, if it's a learning moment, absolutely. But if you're just being a dick to be a dick, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you a dick. Yeah, I think I think I have a, a similar similar issue. I don't like I, I take constructive criticism very well. Yeah. And I take coaching very well. But if I feel like there's disrespect behind what's being said or yeah. if it's in a like a condescending manner, I'm just like, Oh well, of course you can't do this because of XYZ. Then I'm like that's the moment where I'm just like, All right, well Well that's what what you're saying. I take coaching and constructive criticism yeah. well. As long as that's what it is. Yeah. It just you're being it, an ass to be it, an ass. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's also a difference. Like, are you being an ass because, like, we're all being an ass? Like, we're having a good time? Or are you really just, like, trying to put me down? Right. There's a big difference. So. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I mean, I ran a couple, like, ringside grill over in, on end over a golf course. I don't know if you know about that one. It shut down. Because I fucking left is what happened. Really? Yeah. Well, the guy, a new chef came in. He was married to the owner. <coughs> He just got back from Japan. An, an amazing chef, right? But tried mm. to add in, like, gastronomy. And she, you know what that is? Like, science food. Oh, okay. Like, making yeah. making peach cobbler look like caviar kind of shit, right? Or like the edible bubbles. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which is fucking cool. But um, we're in Portland, sir. Yeah. And uh, this restaurant's been here for 75 years. It's yeah. on a golf course. Yeah, we don't need seafoam. Old-ass people <laughs> come here, and they have for the past 20 fucking years. <laughs> they want their steak, potatoes, and meat, and vegetable. Yeah. They are upset when we put purple asparagus on the menu. Yeah. Why? <coughs> Why would I eat purple asparagus? Asparagus is supposed to be green. Yeah. Like, you know how many you complaints who, we got? You gotta know who your, your customer base is. That's what I'm saying. But we're selling $75 steaks, yeah. and that's entree only. Right? Without the vegetables and fucking potato and all this other shit. Like, we're making good money. Don't fuck up a good thing. So he yeah. got really upset because I was like, this is it's not going to go over well. It's not working. You can't change the whole menu, dude. Like, you can't do that. Like, we cook steaks and we cook goddamn good ones. That's why people come here. Mm-hmm. You add this stuff to the menu, we're going to fail. And uh, he just started being a piece of shit. Hired another executive, Sue. So now he had two. Was trying to, like, weed you out almost. That's what he was trying to do, but... Yeah. So I put in my two weeks notice, and uh, he threatened to blackball me, which means, do you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So he threatened to blackball me, and um, and I told everybody, and um, he threatened to blackball me if I short, short-timed him, which basically means didn't fulfill my two-week notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would I give you a two-week notice in this industry if I was planning to short-time you? I'd have just fucking left. Yeah. Right? Silently quit. But my reputation is a really big deal to me. That's how I have the job I have. Right. And how I walked out with half of your staff because you were a piece of shit. So when I put in my two-week notice, a weekend, half the staff quit and all short-timed him. Just walked out. Like, just didn't show up for work or walked off the line and never came back. Like, Damn. all that shit. So I was like, thank you. First of all, maybe do that at the end of my two weeks, you piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, right. I love all these dudes. I'm calling them piece of shit for fun. Right? But, <laughs> but, like, yeah, he lost everyone that was worth it. Damn. Yeah, when I fucking left. And he, he got fucked. Within a year, they shut the entire restaurant down. Wow. Yeah. And they tried to rebrand, tried to turn it into gastronomy and, like, expensive food. Yeah. We're making $100 a plate. 
150 sometimes, depending on what we're selling, what what the quality of steak they're ordering, all this other shit. Mm-hmm. Plus our, our fucking bar, stupid money. Stupid money, right? It's on a golf golf course. Yeah. Um, he wanted $300 plates. Not going to happen. You're not in a Michelin star s- state. Yeah. You want that shit? Go to San Fran. Go to fucking New York. Chicago. Absolutely. They don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. They'll pay you that money because it's expected out there. Right. You're not going to get a Michelin star in Portland. You got, again, you got to know your, your customer base. Yeah. So. And especially on a golf course with primarily elder White couples. dudes? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Old white people. Yeah. That's really what's happening here. Yeah. They want I mean, steak I'm, and potatoes. I mean, I'm sure they have no problem paying $100 a plate because they're coming there, but yeah. like, don't pull the rug out. Well, and that's the thing. If you charged them $200 a plate, they would probably still pay it as long as you gave them the same shit. Exactly. Exactly. Can't change it, man. That's not that. If it's not broken, don't fix it. It wasn't broken. It was wonderful. Exactly. (laughs) I like food. I like steaks. Steak and potatoes is so easy. Yeah. It's so easy. You just got to get it right. Exactly. It's a fan favorite. Ten ten times out of ten. Yeah. Doesn't matter what way you do the potatoes. Yeah. I'm a very, very big potato guy. Yeah, I like. I think yeah. everybody likes potatoes. Yeah, every Sunday, every Sunday when I was growing up, it was some sort of like roast. So it was either roast mm. chicken, roast beef, roast ham. We'd have three different types of potatoes. So you'd have boiled potatoes, roast potatoes, and mashed potatoes, and then you'd have all of your greens and your veggies and stuff like that. So like peas, carrots, you know, cabbage sometimes, maybe depending on what you're eating. I'm hungry. But Dude, I could tear up some some steak and potatoes right now. (laughs) All this talking about I had steak and potatoes last night. Made it for my daughter. She didn't want to go to her mom's. Yeah. So uh, we're like 105 here. Um, Time to wrap up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, I appreciate you coming, man. And we'll uh, we'll have you back on. You know, get you in here and. Uh, I like I like having like group discussion shit. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more fun when there's more people. Yeah. Um, so now that you've been on here, we kind of interviewed you. I, I do want to do more of an interview of like who you are and what where you came from, all that other shit. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get to that. But this was a good one. Yeah. No, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to come back. All right. Well, so this was Tyler Toby Townsend and David Anaya. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>